This is Running the Race with Pastor Eddie Pinero of Calvary Chapel of Milford in Milford, Pennsylvania. provided the the grain, uh, the gel, the lump. God did. God provided. God led them to a land. They didn't have anything. God provided everything for them. Even when they went out of Egypt, when, when they made it out of Egypt, out of slavery, out of bondage from the world, God always provided all the way, water, manna, everything. And now here the Lord has provided for Israel a grain from the ground. And all God asked for, all God asked for is a portion, the first fruit of what God has given them. Do we believe that God is our sole provider? The challenge of tithing is that it requires a placement of trust that's in God and not in ourselves. In today's message, Pastor Eddie reminds us that God is a faithful God who is worthy of being trusted. And when everything we have comes from Him, doesn't He deserve the first of our fruits? To tithe is to acknowledge the source within where our resources came from and to offer a percentage back to Him. Well, let's join Pastor Eddie for today's edition of Running the Race. is at war with God. You see it now. You see it now. Even more so now as we get to the last days. The world is at war with God. And every single one of you here who have accepted Christ as Lord and personal Savior before your BC days, before Christ, before you accepted him, guess what? You were at war with God. And you're going to say, well, I didn't have a gun and shoot it at pointed to heaven, but your mind, everything, your life was at enmity with God. And Paul says this in Colossians chapter 1, verse 21. He says, and you who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, you were enemies. Yet now he has reconciled. Now we reconcile with God. We have reconciled it. Yes, Lord, I've given up this battle. It's a battle I don't even know why I've picked in the first place because I can't win. I can't beat you, Lord. But you know what? What gave in is not so much that God was fighting me back. It's that he was, while I was, my mind and my life was uh, displeasing to God. It was an abomination. You know, what does, he, what does he do instead? He loves me. And he had grace towards me. And his love and grace I just dropped down my arms and I said, you win, Lord. And so now we reconcile because why? Now uh, this blindness that had been on the Jews at this season, at this time, uh, now the Gentiles are now coming to know Jesus Christ as the Messiah. And because of Israel's rejection, the rest of the world can now be with the Lord and have salvation. Verse 15, for if they being cast away is reconciling of the world... What will their, he's speaking of the Jews, Israel, what will their uh, acceptance be? What would it be? But life from the dead. There's hope. The time will come when the Jews will come into the kingdom of God as a whole. Right now, there are a few 
Jews, Messianic Jews, those who believe in Christ as the Messiah. And I don't want to point her out, but there's this lady right here. <laughs> Go raise your hand. Robin is 100% Jew and 100% Messianic believer in Jesus Christ. There are a few, but the, the nation of Israel as a whole has not accepted Yeshua, Jesus, as the Mashiach, the Messiah. The time will come. It will come. It will happen because it's been in prophecy. You, you, you'll see when that's going to take place. Uh, it's going to be during the great tribulation, during the millennium reign. You'll find that for homework in Revelation chapter 20, when all of Israel will be saved. And when that happens, there will be, as it says at the end of verse 15, life from the dead. Now, in verse 16, as we look at verse 16, now, Paul is going to give us two illustrations that will support his assertion that Israel will be restored again. Israel will be restored in God's favor. They, there will be life from the dead. And the first illustration he's going to give us, it has to do with the fruitful, uh, the, the first fruit and the lump. The second has to do with the roots and the branches. Let us look at verse 16. Verse 16, it says, For if the first fruit is holy... The lump is also holy. That's the first illustration. This illustration you'll find in many passages, uh, in uh, particular uh, in Leviticus chapter 7, Leviticus chapter 23. There's a lot of mention of the first fruits, giving God first what he has provided, what he has given you. And then also in Numbers chapter 15, which talks about the, the heave offering, the heave offering. And so, for the purpose of our study, let us zoom into Numbers chapter 15, verses 20 to 21. And it says here, it's the Lord said to Israel, you shall offer up a cake of the first of your ground meal as a heave offering, as a heave offering of the threshing floor. So shall you offer it up of the first of your ground meal. You shall give to the Lord a heave offering throughout your generations. Now, the Lord has commanded the children of Israel to give to him the first fruit of the ground, the first fruit of the lump or the dough, if you will, as a heave offering. You give to him first. Give to him first. And the first fruit, you find in Leviticus, uh, you find the first fruit, you know, in Leviticus, in the book of Numbers, when they gave a portion to the Lord, when they gave a portion to the Lord, the portion amount, just to be sure, just to be sure that you won't be stingy, you would just get God a pinch. Just be sure that you won't give God too much because God wants you to survive. He loves you. He gave it all to you. It's a measure of a tenth in which we get the word tithe. Now, who provided the grain and the ground? Who provided the, the grain, uh, the dough, the lump? God did. God provided. God led them to land. They didn't have anything. God provided everything for them. Even when they went out of e when, when they made it out of Egypt, out of slavery, out of bondage from the world, God always provided all the way, water, manna, everything. And now here the Lord has provided for Israel a grain from the ground. And all God asked for, all God asked for is a portion, the first fruit of what God has given them. That's all he asked. For if they gave the first fruits... Of that dough, the whole lump would be what? Holy. Would be blessed. And so the cake of bread, 
I'm sure if it tastes nasty, did, did you give a first, did you give the first fruit to the Lord? You know, what kind of recipe did you have for this cake of bread? You didn't give to the Lord. And you remember the story of manna when the manna fell from the sky, the Lord said, just take enough for the day. The children of Israel said, well, you know, what if tomorrow there's no bread? They took a little extra, and guess what? Everybody's house stank. And everybody knew, hey, ah, you kept some of the manna, ah, foolish on you, right? You're going to now take a bath in uh, tomato juice, like if it was a skunk in your tent. We know you sin. We smell it, (laughs) you know? And God proved that in the same way, if you want something to be blessed. Now, of course, you know, this is an important application for us here. Everything that you have, everything that you have, you own, everything you have, your job, your family, your home, your finances, your savings, everything you have was given to you by God. Every single bit of it has been given to you by God. You may say, well, I work for it. Who gave you the job to work for it? But you know, I went to college. Who allowed you to go to college? Who kept you alive when you were in college? When you had to, you know, eat in the dorm and eat those uh, Roman noodles, right? Because you're starving. And now you're still a slave to the, so you're still a slave to your college tuition, right? All that for what? (laughs) You know, just think about it. Who's giving you all that? The Lord. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. For who makes you differ from another? And what do you have that you did not receive? Now, if you did indeed receive it, why do you boast as if you had not received it? You see, God has given us all. And this is, again, an important application for us. There's some new faces here. But if you've been part of us for four years, four years, you know, I don't tell you, I don't teach about tithings unless it's biblical. I don't pass the plate. Some churches pass it twice. You don't get a letter from us. We don't do fundraising. We want to have one little small box in the back. So I stand as one that's not teaching you, you know, money. And I'm not as a pastor to fleece the flock because I don't trust in you. I trust in Jesus. I'm not a TV evangelist. So just to set it straight. And if you want to double check that my words are true, we have plenty of sermons online. So you find out that I don't do that. You came here. Was there a plate in front of your face? No. That's between you and the Lord. But we see here, the principle has been instituted before the law. Oh, that's Old Testament. Oh, do you have the Old Testament in your hand right now? And all of a sudden, it's amazing when you talk about tithing, all of a sudden, everybody's a scholar. Why? It's hurting you. Why? You don't trust in God. And it's sad that people tip God. They tip God, and it's the truth. They want the whole lump to be blessed. They want the finances to be blessed. Oh, Lord, I'm, I, you know, I, I'm struggling financially. And, and you want God to bless you when you go against his law. You want God to bless you, you go against the law of the land. You know, oh, I'm going to work off the books. That's illegal. But Lord, bless my finances. I'm working off the books. I'm, I know I'm hitting somebody. It's the truth. I, because I love you. You know, you, the Bible says, you know, you get a kiss from the enemy. It's better than get, you know, have words that wound you from a friend. 
than kiss from the enemy. I want to give you the truth, this biblical truth. You want your finances to be blessed? Trust God. Give to him the first fruit. And, you, you, and many of you know, I don't know who gives. I don't want to know who gives. I don't want to know again, $50 brother, $500 brother. I don't want to know. But I want you to know this, I, I tithe. And I always leave that open. You want to check if I tithe, you're more than welcome. As long as you're a part of this church and you tithe. Because before you check my tithe, I'm going to have somebody check your tithe. <laughs> I said, that person want to prove, see if that person tithe. See if they've been part of our church. I have the leadership go check. Okay, yeah. Let them give them the books. Let them, let them know that I tithe too. I'm going to practice what I preach. And you know, because Why? And I'm not doing this. I do this because I know, number one, I love the Lord. It has nothing that I want anything in return. God has given me more. I've, I've worked seven months. I worked seven months when I left my job. Way before my 20s, seven months, seven months, I've lived off my savings. The church couldn't afford me, and I left my job. My job wasn't paying me. And with my savings, everything I have, you know, I was paying the mortgage, and I was paying my car bill, my, my car, you know, for my car. I'm paying everything, supporting my family. So I practice what I preach because I don't depend on money. I practice what I preach. But if you want your finances to be blessed, you know what? God has a system. You go against that, guess what? It's not going to work. You're always going to be in financial trouble. And you find out the ratio is that those who don't have are the ones that give more than those that do have. That is, that is the ratio. But you want to save, you know, if you want to be a theologian, this was a principle. This happened in Genesis 14. The principle is that Abraham gave a tithe, Melchizedek, who, you know, uh, when he gave a tithe, this is before the law, it's before Moses. Before the tithe, it's a principle. You give to God. He's giving you, I'm giving it back to you. And so this is way before the law. So everybody could say it's the Old Testament command. Well, you know what? Then you should be a New Testament guy or gal and walk around just a half a Bible. But you won't understand the New Testament because you don't have the Old Testament. And you want to pull, pull that pages out. There's a lot of pages you're going to pull out of Scripture. A lot of pages. You, you, you might as well just get rid of the Old Testament. Here's one. You're not tithing. You know what the Bible says? It's even worse. You rob God. Yes, you are a thief. You rob God. Malachi chapter 3, verse 8 and 9. He said, will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me, the Lord said. But you say, in what way have we robbed you in tithe and offerings? You are cursed with a curse. For you have robbed me, even this whole nation. That is biblical. It's just, just narrowing down just to be nice with you this morning. Uh, but I don't think, you know, the Lord has been providing. Again, we are the leadership. We trust in God. So your finances are either blessed or cursed. So anyway, Israel is to give what God has given them a tenth, a portion. And if that portion is blessed, then the whole dough, the whole lump is blessed. And that's the illustration that Paul is giving here. The next illustration, he said, for if the first root is holy, the lump is also holy. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. The second illustration Paul gives is the root and the branches. And this is referring to the nation of Israel. Who's the root of the tree? This olive tree we're going to find out is Israel's patriarch, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That's the root of the tree that you and I are branches out of. You and I, Gentile believers, are branched out of. The root all began with Abraham. 
The Lord called Abraham to, to, to be set apart by God, to form a people, a nation distinct from all nations. And Abraham and Isaac were the root. They were set apart. And so the descendants, Israel, the branches. And so we see that just as branches are of any tree, the branches are the same as the, as the root. It's all together. And so Israel will be restored. What he's saying, Israel will be restored to God's favor. There will be life from the dead. The promises of Israel will be fulfilled. Don't believe in any church that have put themselves above the nation of Israel. Or to look at the east and say, Israel, or I hope they'll come and join us. No, you're joining them. That's the reality of it. Verse 17, he says, and if some of the branches were broken off, Speaking of Israel, and you being a wild olive tree were grafted in among them and with them became partaker of the root and fatness of the olive tree. So we have been grafted in. Some of them rejected God. that There's been a stupor so much that they fell off the tree, if you will. Then now the wild olive tree, that's you and I, Gentiles, are being grafted in. And many of you will probably have a green thumb. I don't. Everything's, I don't have a green thumb. Trust me. Um, all I, I just push the lawn when it grows. That's all I do. But I, I'm not a farmer. I don't graft in, you know, uh, trees and branches. If you know that's what you do, you graft in a branch so it could, it could be grafted into that tree. We are the wild olive branch. We've been grafted in. To Israel, the olive tree, you see. And because we're grafted in, here's what's beautiful about this. We partake of the root. We partake of the fatness of the olive tree. And you know what that means for you and I? All the spiritual benefits, all the riches, all the privileges, all the promises are now are that have flowed from this union of this olive tree. You and I partake. We partake of this. Because we've been grafted in. We've been grafted in. That is a beautiful thing for us as Gentiles who believe in a Jewish Messiah. To know that the root, we are partaking of it. Verse 17, and if some of the branches were broken off and you being a wild olive tree were grafted in among them and with them became partaker of the root and the fatness of the olive tree. Verse 18, do not boast against the branches. But if you do boast, remember that you do not support the root, but the root supports you. Yeah, I'm a Gentile. I believe in their Messiah. Yes, I'm saved. Oh, you know, lift yourself up. You know, do not boast. We should never have, Paul is telling us here, we shouldn't have a holier-than-thou attitude towards the Jews because everything that you and I have spiritually is rooted in Israel, is rooted in the promises to Israel. It is the, it is the root, the fact that God has called Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob Israel to bring forth the promised Messiah, Jesus Christ. That's where it comes from. That root is so important because it goes back and it traces that incredible family tree to our Mashiach, to our Messiah, Jesus Christ. And just remember again, when, when you find a Jew that accepted Jesus Christ, don't look at a Jew accepting Jesus. Oh, you finally accepted. When did you become converted? When did you join us? No, no. You know, you joined us. <laughs> I'm just completed. I probably had the same God. <laughs> 
you know, I had the right God, but, you know, I didn't have all the information or I didn't know about the Messiah. And finally, it just stuck to me. Praise the Lord for that. So never, you know, we have this problem and all because of the history of church, a replacement theology that has creeped in, even from Martin Luther. Martin Luther, great, you know, broke away from the Catholic Church. Great, you know, Reformation, all that. But guess what? He was an anti-Semite himself. Anti-Semitism, believed that the Jews, you would think that scholars would see this. This is why we study. I'm not a scholar. But I notice when I read it, isn't Paul telling me not to boast? How did replacement theology develop? How did it come up in our church history? I tell you why. Perfect. I tell you why. A very simple reason. They are not studying the Bible. They're not studying the word and the prophecies that's in the scripture. That God has not finished with Israel yet. After 70 AD, you may have come to conclude, well, that's it. There's no more temple. Maybe 90 AD or 100, maybe 1,000 years, 2,000 years, and still we have a, a group of people called Israel. <laughs> You're going to tell me there's no God? There is a God. You're going to tell me that God is not a covenant-keeping God and a promised God, a God that makes his promise to Israel? Yes. Israel's thriving. It's flourishing. Why? It's biblical not because of man, not because Israel was so great and intelligent, but they're very intelligent, very smart. They've contributed to our culture. The world has been blessed by their, by their wisdom, by the, the technology of Israel. But it's not because of Israel. It's because of God. God blessed them. And God is showing that. So we should not boast. We should not brag because we are just a branch you're waving, yay, wee, 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 keep waving. <laughs> keep waving. Your fruits are falling off your branch. And before you know it, because you're prideful and, you're, and guess what? You're dead. Snap, gone. <laughs> right? We need to be careful. Now, I know this is foreign. This is, this is foreign to the church today. Again, because the church is not teaching a congregation about Israel and the prophecies. And that God has not cast away Israel. Certainly not, as we study. And so, verse 19 Paul goes on to say, you will say then, branches were broken off that I might be grafted in. He continues on, well said. Because of what? Unbelief. They were broken off. They were broken off because of unbelief. And he says, and you, that's you and I, stand by what? Faith. We stand by faith. Those branches were broken off because of unbelief. The nation of Israel as a whole, not all the Jews, not all, but the nation of Israel as a whole did not believe in Jesus Christ as the promised Messiah. Their unbelief had caused God to prune them off, if you will. And this started from the very beginning. We're so glad you joined us today for Running the Race. Pastor Eddie Pinero has been walking through the book of Romans with us, teaching us the truth and values found in its pages. As we continue to learn along with the recipients of Paul's letter, we'll find that the gospel message is present and practical for everyday life. If you've been touched by today's teaching and would like to listen again, you can find it on runningtheraceradio.com. We also encourage you to subscribe to the Running the Race podcast. When you do, you'll have access to the latest teachings as soon as they're made available. 
You can also connect with us on social media. Like our Facebook page to join the conversation and add some encouragement to your newsfeed. Before our time with you today comes to an end, we'd like to take a moment and tell you how you can partner with us here at Running the Race. With more, here's Tracy. We all know it's vitally important to support the local church, the place we call home. But it's also very important to support missionaries. Have you ever considered that running the race is missionary work? It is. Please prayerfully consider financially supporting running the race. Go to runningtheraceradio.com and click on the Give option in the main menu. Thanks, Tracy. That website one more time is runningtheraceradio.com. Thanks again for joining us today. Join us again for another insightful edition of Running the Race.